Rolling. I'll just reset this clock, otherwise I'll stress out. Oh, yeah. Hi, church. Great to see you. Our passage today is from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Uh, Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Season with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Make the most of every opportunity. That's our theme for today. It was J.D. Rockefeller who said, I always try to turn every disaster into an opportunity. And church, now is a unique opportunity, a unique moment in our history As our world battles COVID-19, now is a moment, an opportunity for the gospel to shine. Uh, Now, please don't mishear me. I'm not wanting to diminish people's pain or anxiety. Uh, I don't want to minimize the financial impact or the relational pain of isolation. Uh, I don't want to underplay the mental health concerns. And I certainly don't want to underplay the extraordinary work our healthcare workers are doing. But... But at this moment, in the midst of all this, there is a unique gospel opportunity. Now is the time for the the love, the joy, the forgiveness of the hope of Jesus Christ to go out in unprecedented and unimaginable ways. Uh, Church, I hope we don't, don't, don't look back in years to come and all we're celebrating is amazing online church services or incredible Zoom Connect meetings or the most extraordinary Excel spreadsheet for pastoral care. I hope we are celebrating lost souls won for Christ. I hope we're celebrating people who come to faith in this moment. Uh, In the book, The The Rise of Christianity, uh, Rodney Stark uh, talks about how the early church and the way they dealt with the plagues in Rome, the way they dealt with that caused a unique gospel growth. Uh, They reached out to people, they cared for people, and they shared the gospel. And looking at church history at times of crisis, the church either explodes or implodes. There's either hundreds and thousands of people who come to faith, or the church implodes, it declines because it's so inward-looking, so self-absorbed and so out of touch. Friends, people are looking and longing and wanting right now People are open to gospel conversations like never before. In my experience, people are willing to talk about Jesus in this moment. And the stats around the world are extraordinary. In the the past month, there's been almost a 300% increase in clicks on gospel presentations online. Let me share a a few stories. Uh, Grace in the Philippines. Uh, She's sitting at home in isolation, she's just uh, looking at YouTube, and she comes across a church service, and she sits and listens to the preacher. She finds her heart being captivated by Jesus, and she gives her life to Christ. 
Brittany in the US, a, a young mum of two young kids. She's desperate to talk to somebody. And so she happens to find herself talking to a Christian who loves her and shares the gospel with her, and she puts her faith in Christ. Now, our church website and our online services are experiencing massive traffic way beyond our membership. Uh, you see, we, we may be in lockdown, but the gospel is not locked down. And we may be quarantined, but the gospel is not quarantined. I have this vision of a church service, maybe a year from now, and it's an evening of testimony. And someone says, oh, I became a Christian during the coronavirus pandemic. And somebody else says, oh, so did I. I watched a YouTube online and gave my life to Christ. And somebody else says, oh, I would never walk through the doors of a church. But at that moment, I was looking for hope. And I heard about Jesus and gave my life to Christ. And someone else might say, I was at home bored and I grabbed the Bible and I read the Bible and the love of Christ just jumped out at me. And others might say, I was wandering away from Christ. I was so lapsed in my faith, but at that moment I realised what I needed was Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be amazing? Testimony after testimony of people who have come to faith. Well, now is that moment. In Colossians 4, it's all about the gospel going out. Paul calls the gospel the mystery of Christ, down in verse 3. Let me just make, you, make, make sure you understand that mystery. This is the gospel. For God so loved the world. The God who made this world, he loves us. But our world is messed up. Our world is full of people who have turned their back on God, marred by sin, but God still loves us. And he loved the world so much, he gave his only son. He sent his son Jesus into this world. And his perfect son lived the perfect life and then died the death of a criminal. And as Jesus hung on a cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken so that you could be forgiven. Jesus died and was punished so that you might be set free. God loved this world enough to send his Son, that whoever believes in him, trusts in him, depends on him, might not perish but have eternal life. That is the hope, the joy, the peace of the gospel. That is the gospel that people need to hear right now. So three ways that we can share this gospel. Number one, persistent prayer. Persistent prayer it always starts with prayer. In verse 2, Paul says this, uh, devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, literally, be persistent in your prayer life. Be dedicated to pray. Bring everything to the Lord in prayer. Uh, church, amazing things happen when God's peoples pray. Uh, prayer is the most wonderful gift. Uh, we can bring our, our hopes and our hurts and our, our blessings and our burdens to our all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God. And all great men and women of God are prayer warriors. Uh, William Booth was a prayer warrior. He founded the Salvation Army. He loved to pray. Uh, one day, one of his workers was on the mission field and they were so discouraged, saying, I'm preaching the gospel and nothing is happening. I want to give up. And William Booth said this, Try tears, try prayer. Love people well and get on your knees and pray because it's spiritual work. Uh, John Piper describes prayer as uh, the wartime walkie-talkie, not a domestic intercom. And I love that. 
Prayer is not just asking God for the things that we want. When you're on the battlefield, what you want is reinforcement and protection and courage and miracles. And we're on the spiritual battlefield. And so what we need is spiritual protection and spiritual courage and spiritual miracles. Let's pray. What what does Paul ask prayer for? This is extraordinary. Verse 3. He says, pray for us that God may open a door for our message. Isn't that incredible? Paul in prison doesn't ask for the prison door to be opened. He asks for a gospel door to be opened. He doesn't pray, Lord, get me out of here. He prays, Lord, get the gospel out of here. Because Paul loved people. He loved to see lost people come to faith. And so he's asking for prayer that the eyes might be opened, that hearts might be softened, and that ears will be ready to hear. It's like in China. When the missions were kicked out of China, the Christians were asking, what is God doing? And so they prayed. And here's how God answered their prayer. Without the missionaries, the underground Chinese Christians gossiped the gospel. And when the missions went back into China, there were hundreds and thousands and millions of people who have given their life to Christ. Praise God for that. In Iran right now, if you're a Christian, you are, you are under threat of persecution, and yet you have the gift of prayer. And the Christians are praying, and the gospel is exploding. Uh, in verse 3, Paul says, I might be in chains, but the gospel cannot be chained. And that's why we need to pray consistently. We need God to open the door. God must open the door. Please don't try and bash down the door that God has not opened and ram the gospel down someone's throat if you have not prayed for them. It never works. But when God opens that door and we walk through that door, wow, the joy of seeing someone come to faith. Paul says in verse 2, be watchful. Devote yourself to prayer being watchful. Uh, Literally, with your eyes open, see the opportunities. See what God is doing. It's often, you know, that God opens so many doors in a day, but we just don't see them and we don't walk through them. Someone said, the sun rises every morning. It's just that often we are too late or too busy to see it. And there are open doors every day, but often we are so busy or too late to see them. As a church, we've been praying for five people for the last 18 months, five people you know and love to come to know Jesus Christ. But now is the time to pray fervently. Pray for open doors, great conversations, great invitations, hearts to be softened, ears to be opened, eyes to see. Prayer is the most powerful, most beautiful, wonderful gift. Uh, Hudson Taylor was a missionary and a man came to see him and said, Hudson, I'd love to be a missionary too, but, but I can't because I've got no talent. I, I can't talk well and I can't lead well. All I can do is pray. And Hudson Taylor said, pray? Man, can you pray? Can you talk to God? What the mission field needs right now is not more preachers, but more prayers. And that man went on that mission field and hour after hour and day after day on his knees, in his house, pleading for lost souls. And one by one, people in that village came to him and said, I want to give my life to Christ. Please would you pray for my lost soul? Prayer is powerful and amazing things happen when God's people pray. So persistent prayer, number two, consistent conduct. 
Uh, J.C. Ryle says that every Christian is a walking sermon. And that's what verse 5 is saying. Look at verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. He says the way that you live your lives, the way that you conduct yourselves every day, it matters. Because people are watching us. The outsiders there are are the people who are not yet inside the church, not yet believers, but they're watching the way that Christians live. Because the world wants to see that Christianity works. That Jesus really does transform the way that we live. You know the most common word to describe Christians? It's the word hypocrite. Because sadly, too many Christians do not walk the talk. I love the story of the man in New York City who was intrigued by Jesus, but refused to go to church because he thought they were all hypocrites. And so he hired a private detective to follow the lead pastor. And after a month of following the lead pastor, the detective said, this man practices what he preaches. And so the inquirer gave his life to Christ. See, our conduct matters. The Bible says, shine like stars, live such good lives among the pagans. They see your good deeds and praise your heavenly Father. Our world is watching right now. How is a church going to react to this crisis? And I hope you know that your friends are watching you right now. Often said there's five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And number five is your life. And most of your friends will not read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, but they are reading your life. They're watching how you respond to this crisis, how you respond to your panic and your anxiety, how you respond to parenting from homeschooling, how you respond with compassion and kindness and saying, does Jesus really work? And for that, we need wisdom. Verse 5 says, be wise. Uh, the, The Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So get on your knees with your Bible open listening to God's word, asking God's spirit to change your life, to transform your life so your life shines and the gospel shines through you. I love this church to be known as a beautiful community who really do live for Jesus and love like Jesus, oozing grace, oozing kindness, being the good Samaritan who does not walk by on the other side. Uh, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity, verse 5. Do you see that? And that, that phrase literally means snap up the moment. It's the picture of the department store sales where you walk through the doors and you see a bargain and you just can't wait. You can't wander off to have a coffee because when you get back, it's too late, it's gone. Every day you have 1,440 minutes of opportunities. So grab them, take them. I hope at the end of this crisis you don't want to say, well, I've read more books and watched more Netflix and got a spotless house and a perfect garden and learned to play an instrument. I hope you seize every moment to shine Christ. Meet that neighbour you've never met before. Phone that friend that you haven't spoken to for years to see how they're going. How can you pray for them? Please shine the gospel through your conduct. So persistent prayer, consistent conduct, And lastly, winsome words. We've got to talk the walk. Uh, It was Spurgeon who says, if you're going to give a man a sandwich, 
at least rap rapid in attract. See, we've got to articulate the gospel. People need to hear the good news. And that's what verse 6 is all about. Verse 6 says this. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Season with salt so that you may, know, you may know how to answer everyone. He's saying when you, when you open your mouth, make sure that your conversation, your words are full of grace. They are grace-filled words. So we speak about grace. When we talk about Jesus, we don't talk about rules and rituals or law and legalism. We talk about grace. We talk about God's lavish, undeserved love in Christ. And we speak graciously. Our, our words are gentle and kind. Uh, I'm assuming on your computer you've got a, a spell check or a grammar check. I think most Christians need a tone check. What is our tone like as we speak? Sadly, too many Christians are harsh and judgmental and very good at imposing a moral framework on people who do not yet know Christ. Make sure your words are gracious words. Uh, he says, seasoned with salt. I love that phrase. It literally means uh, flavoursome, because salt has flavour. Salt brings tastiness. Uh, and here's what, what often confuses me, that the gospel is the best news in the world. It's the most exciting news in the world. We have joy, peace, hope, forgiveness in our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and yet Christians, for some bizarre reason, have this amazing skill of making that gospel sound so dull and so bland and so boring and so tiresome. Surely the more that we love Jesus, uh, that gospel oozes out of us. So make sure as we speak we are exciting and engaging and just share the love of Christ. Uh, and then Paul says at the end of verse 6, so you may know how to answer everyone. And the assumption there is that people are asking you questions. They're watching your life and they want answers. Uh, please treat everyone as individuals. It's not one size fits all. People come from different backgrounds, different backdrops, different personalities. Listen and talk to them as a person. And then pray for clarity. Uh, I was really shocked by verse 4. The great apostle Paul, who had written 13 letters and, and planted hundreds of churches, he says, pray I may proclaim it clearly as I should. He's asking that his words will be so clear, rid of jargon, that people just see Jesus. So friends, now is this moment. I don't know whether you ever walked into a department store and you've been wanting to buy something, you've been wanting to ask questions, you're ready, you're eager. And when you walk into that store, it's almost like you're invisible. Oh, the shop assistants are there, but they're in the corner, huddled with each other, talking to each other and ignoring you. I think it's a great picture of our church right now. The watching world have got questions, they want answers, they're ready. Yet too many Christians are in their huddles, talking to each other and ignoring the outsider. What could you do? Here are two tips. Uh, you could sit down today and you could write out your testimony, you could record your testimony, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, be bold. Talk about what Jesus means for you personally. Or secondly, an easy invite. Come to Alpha. Invite people to Alpha. Invite lots of people. 
It starts this coming Tuesday. It's all online, an easy invite. So come, listen, ask any questions. We've already got nine people signed up we've never heard of before. How good is that? Run by Ed, James, Nick, myself and Susan. We'd love to see you there. Or maybe you are listening to this thinking, I've got questions, I need answers. Why don't you sign up? Come along, we'd love you to come. Just hop on our website and sign up there. So now is a unique moment. Our world is in pain, disaster all around us. But as Rockefeller says, let's turn every disaster into an opportunity. We've got prayer, we've got our words, we've got our conduct. PWC, prayer, words and conduct. I heard of a church last week that said they had more converts in the last month than the last two years put together. How good is that? Because God's Spirit is on the move in this moment of crisis. Our doors may be closed, but let's pray for open doors for that gospel to go out in unprecedented and unimaginable ways. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing opportunity to shine Christ into your needy world. And I ask, Lord God, that you give us courage and eyes to see open doors. Lord, I pray that many people that we know and love who do not yet know Christ would find him and have the joy of eternal life in him. Father, we do pray for those on the front line in our hospitals. Uh, Lord, I pray you give them strength and wisdom for those making decisions in government. Please give them everything they need. And we ask, Lord, for ourselves, uh, that you bring peace into our fears and you'd open our eyes to see all the doors you are opening for us to proclaim your gospel. A Spirit of God, work powerfully in this moment to win many lost souls for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.